Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is Uriah Hall versus Anderson Silva in a striker's delight of a main event. UFC, of course, back in Vegas for this bout. But of course, those of you who frequent the show know we won't be breaking down that fight or any other of the fights on this exciting main card. Instead, we're all focused on the prelims here as part of the prelim primer. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and wondering, hey, why just break down the prelims? Why not look at the main card? The answer is real simple. The answer is because we think you guys know a lot about those main card fighters, especially those in the co-main event and main event. Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely, you know about those guys. But you probably don't know a lot about these guys on the prelims. And that's why we're here to break them down. Because we, we think you not only don't know about them, but you could probably be making a lot of money either gambling or playing daily fantasy sports if you knew about these names. So we're here to help you out with that. But before we do, speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, we need to let you know that this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find AJ at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. And let me tell you something, AJ is unlike all of those other companies or guys who offer you gambling advice, because he's not just a list of fighters or teams to put money down on each week. Instead, he does so much more than that. He provides his customers with not just his picks, but also an education that they can use for years to come. He does this through in-depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox for both gambling and DraftKings, and he gives you the tips and know-how so that you can make informed decisions and maximize your profit for the foreseeable future. You don't just have to take my word for it. You, of course, can check out his extensive record, his past breakdowns, and his customers' successes at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. That link's in the show notes for you guys. And also, remember to follow him on Twitter, at AJMMABetting, because you won't be sorry that you did. Now, of course, in order to break down these fights, I have to have a co-host with me. Joining me today from the Fixed Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thanks for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure. All right, guys, and as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Chris Grootsmacher versus Alexander Hernandez. So Grootsmacher uh, is one and two in his last three. He had back-to-back rear-naked choke losses to Chaz Skelly and Davi Hamosh, but then he beat Joe Lozon by having Joe Lozon quit in between rounds. But, of course, this was all two years ago because he's been out for a really long time. Alexander Hernandez, meanwhile, had a very fast rise up the division, but then he's one and two in his last three as well. But those losses came to Donald Cerrone in getting knocked out by Drew Dober. So, you know, some pretty high profile names there. My question for you is that Hernandez only really seems to have trouble with guys who have sharp striking like Drew Dober, like Donald Cerrone, who can piece him up. Does that mean he's going to have a really easy time with Chris Grutzmacher, who is, you know, by and large, kind of like a wrestle grappler? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, like you said, Hernandez was uh, uh, elevated very quickly, especially, you know, debuting, knocking out uh, Benil Darius. That's a huge win. This still stands as a very huge win. Um, you know, and then he kind of came to earth against uh, Cerrone and um, Dober. So, yeah, I think this is a good you know, almost like a step down for him. They both are, are kind of, you know, move forward type guys. Uh, you know, Hernandez has like a, uh, almost like a bully, like fearless swag about him. And I think Grootsmaker just kind of plays right into that um, for me. Yeah. And, and for me too, like you're right. He plays that bully role. He actually plays it really well too. And the interesting thing is with him being so physically strong, 
I, I just don't see Grutzmacher getting any of his wrestling or top game going against him. You know, like he's got decent takedown defense. He, he's got, I, I think he's got the better striking than this. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, so like then the question becomes like if Grutzmacher doesn't get him down, how bad does it look on the feet? I think it looks pretty bad, man. I think uh, I think Grutzmacher is going to try, but like you said, he's uh, Hernandez has good takedown defense. He's 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 built like a, like a brick shit house. Um, yeah, I think Grutzmacher struggles here, and uh, Hernandez starts to take over, walks him down. And I think he gets a finish in this one. Yeah, I'm going to take him two by finish here. I I think he probably gets a KO. I think Grutzmacher being as tough as he is is going to make Alexander Hernandez work for it. You're probably going to see it in the second or third round here, but I definitely think he finishes Grutzmacher here. And that brings us to another one that will probably stay on the feet, and that's Dustin Jacoby versus Justin Ledette. So Dustin Jacoby was last in the UFC nine years ago when he lost back-to-back fights, including the second one against Chris Camozzi at, get this, UFC on Fox 2, which was headlined by Rashad Evans versus Phil Davis. Uh, He then fought for Bellator uh, Professional Fighters League, and then he had a long kickboxing run, comes back, only fights twice in MMA, including once beating Ty Flores by decision on Contender Series. And here he is, getting back into the UFC. Ledette, meanwhile, is 0-3 in his last three fights. He's lost, though, to Alexander Rachic, Johnny Walker, and Alexa Kamer, which is a hell of a threesome there. So I think the fun part about this is it's, it's really great matchmaking, right? We got one guy who's got really bad takedown defense and Justin Ledette who just wants to strike with people. And they put him in there with a kickboxer, a guy who's literally just going to strike with him. So I think the problem here is that Ledette is so much slower than Jacoby. What has he got to do to sort of neutralize that speed advantage? You know, I was very high on Ledette when he first came into the UFC. But, you know, as the competition stiffened, you saw him, uh, you know, he got mowed over a couple times. In his last fight against Kamer, he was was kind of – a lot more tentative than he was in his early career, and I think that's going to hurt him here, man. I would say he's got to like pull the trigger a little bit more. Like you said, neither of these guys are going to try to wrestle or take it to the ground, but Jacoby is a pretty fearless striker. He's got a lot of uh, you know professional kickboxing experience as well as a bunch of MMA fights. You know, I could see him walking Ledette down. I think Ledette just needs some activity because if he's tentative and gets backed up the whole fight, it's going to spell bad news for him. I definitely agree with you. I, I think he can be tentative here because he's against the guy who will just like pees up his legs until he can't walk anymore too. But the other thing, you know, you said in there that you, you liked him, you know, when he first started. He was actually 3-0 and to start his UFC career. The thing is, is those were all at heavyweight. And I think actually that's the right spot for Justin Ledette is he ought to be at heavyweight. Because when he's at heavyweight, his boxing isn't bad. And he's fast enough to beat some heavyweights, right? Like, he beat Chase Sherman. He beat Mark Godbeer. He beat Zuan Yanewu. Like, those are all guys who can strike a little bit. But, like, Justin Ledette's faster than them. At light heavyweight, he's slower than every striker in that division. And we've seen it time and time and time again. And granted, he fought some really good guys. But, yeah, I I see him being tentative here. Probably getting pieced up by uh, Dustin Jacoby. How do you see this one ending? I think Jacoby goes out there and finishes him, man. I think... think He's going to come out a bit tentative, and like you said, he doesn't have the speed advantage um, at light heavyweight that some of these guys have. I think Jacoby walks him down. I think it's a fun fight. I think they both have their moments, but I'm, I'm going with a later finish, maybe like early third round. Both guys a little bit tired. Jacoby cliffs him, gets a finish. I like that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Jacoby. I think your, your point about him being late in the fight is a good one too because you know he's only had two MMA fights in the last you know five years. So like, yeah, he probably needs a little bit more time to figure it out before he starts finishing guys quick. 
And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. That link is in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is not only does he send you his picks for every week, but he also sends you pros and cons for each matchup, as well as some of his thoughts on DraftKings matchups. And, and that's really helpful because, first of all, it allows you to weigh some of the decision yourself in those pros and cons. And for DraftKings, it gives you really good insight on things like who might be owned a lot and who will be owned less. And if you're going to take down some of those big prizes on DraftKings, you need to know this kind of stuff. Okay, And he does it with audio content, video content. He does it with write-ups. He gives you all kinds of stuff. You're going to want to become his customer. And you can check him out at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Miles John versus Kevin Natividad. John unbeaten in his first 10 pro fights, but then lost to Mario Batista by flying knee back in February. Natividad, he's 9-1. He's going to make his UFC debut. He was supposed to fight Brian Kelleher on short notice a few months ago. He wasn't cleared for that fight. So his last win comes back in July at LFA 85, where he won by TKO. Now, I guess the question here is going to be talking about Miles John's weaknesses because he's got only one loss, and it's to some, like, really flashy striking of Mario Batista. How do you like Kevin Nativi Dodd's chances of replicating that fancy striking, and is it actually a problem for Miles John, or is it just like, this guy got caught one time? So it's interesting. I, I saw Nativi um, Dodd's brother, Christian, a while back on a fight-to-win show and he was just all action. I really liked his style. So I've been actually following him and his brother for a while. Um, you know, they both fight kind of similar. They're both like, you know, move forward type guys. Um, they have good pace. They have good wrestling. They have good grappling. You know, John is like a compact boxer. But I think that Dodd's athleticism and pace could pose some serious problems for John in this fight. But again, other than that, you know, debut lost by knockout, John has looked very impressive in his career. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, too, to, to talk about somebody's athleticism next to Miles Johns, too. Because, like, for me, he's, like, uh, like your your prototype of, like, a hyper-athletic guy, right? Like, he's he's one of those Fortis MMA guys who comes in looking like the strongest guy in the gym. Which he can't be the strongest guy in the gym because they're all the strongest guy in the gym, right? So right. He, he's one of those guys who comes in and, like, just steamrolls people. And, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about, like, what happens when somebody starts to match his athleticism because, like, you know, like you, like you said, you think that that could probably pose some threats for him. And, and we've really only seen one or two guys be able to match that for Miles John, right? Like the, the guys he beat on the contender series and stuff, or even on the regional circuit, couldn't keep up with that. The first guy we saw able to do that was able to sting him. So, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, do you think it's enough to give the, the nod here to Kevin Natividad? Who do you got in this fight? I do. I'm going Kevin Natividad, man. I, I Like I said, I really like his pace. I like their grappling, um, and I think that's gonna gonna play a part. I think, like you said, he's gonna be able to match Miles John's athleticism on the feet, and I think he's gonna be able to mix in some takedowns. I think there's gonna be some fun grappling exchanges in this fight, but I'm going to Tivy Dodd by decision here. All right, and I think I'm I'm gonna stick with Miles John. I'm gonna take the favorite in this one and, and be super lame on this one. I, I just do like the fact that he's got a really good guillotine choke too. Like if you've seen his guillotine choke. I think it's impressive. So, like, against the guy who might be looking for a couple of takedowns and might not be, the, like, the most polished wrestler, 
uh, worries me a little bit against John. So I'm going to take John's. I'm going to take him by submission, actually, too. And that brings us to Sean Strickland versus Jack Marshman. This is another weird one. Sean Strickland last beat Nordine Taleb. That was two years ago by TKO. He hasn't fought since then. Uh, Jack Marshman, meanwhile, is got exactly one win in his last four fights. And I will tell you that that is one of the most questionable decisions I've ever seen over John Phillips. And, and so, like, the losses, though, Edmund Shabazian, Shoeface, uh, Carl Roberson, like, he's fought good dudes. And, like, Strickland, what do you do about a two-year layoff? 2018, to me, the 2018 version of Strickland for sure beats Jack Marshman with, like, pressure and takedowns. But, like, can we count on that in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is one of the hardest fights to call on the card because, you know, Marshman hasn't looked uh, too good as of late, but he's not afraid to come forward. He's definitely a proven finisher who loves to stand and beg. And, yeah, like you said, Strickland's been out for two years. You know, he's got three losses on his record, but they're all the top-flight guys, ZDS, Usman, and uh, Ponzinibbio. Wish you'd come back to MMA. Just throw that out there. <laughs> but, uh yeah, I mean, two years off, This, like you said, two years ago, this would seem like a Sean Strickland fight. But, uh, you know, who knows what he's going to look like? And who knows what kind of marshman you're going to get? Yeah, and you, you mentioned the fight with Usman. He went the distance with Usman. Now, granted, he lost 30 to 26. But that's a durable dude in there, too, right? And, like, what, what's Jack Marshman like doing? Jack Marshman likes punching people's heads off, right? They don't call him the hammer for nothing. The, the, only, the only win he's got recently is against the guy who he was able to knock down. And apart from that, you know, he's kind of been kind of been grappled up a little bit, right? Like Edmund Shavazian got him down and choked him out. You know, like Carl Roberson took him down twice. You know, Shoeface took him down and subbed him, but like Shoeface does that to everybody. So I, I can definitely see Strickland if we see something close to the Strickland of old doing that same thing. But uh, I guess now is the time where I ask you absurdly whether or not you trust a guy on a two and a half year layoff or if you're going with the guy on the uh, two fight losing streak. Yeah, he does not have my money in this one, but... Uh... I would go Sean Strickland. I think he is probably the more technical striker. And like you said, I think he, you know, two years ago, I think he'd be able to take Marshman down. We never know what you're going to look like after a two-year layoff. But, yeah, I'm going Strickland here. I think he gets this done. Um, I'm going to go late submission. How about a uh, third-round rear naked choke? Yeah, I like that too. I I'm going to go the same exact thing. Third-round rear naked choke. I like his takedown game, and I, I think he's a smart fighter too. That's the other thing I really like about him is that he seems to go in with a game plan and know how to adapt it. Um, and I think against a guy like Marshman, that'll bode well for him. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number three. Hey, guys, I just want to remind you about what people are saying about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. This is from subscriber George. He says, I've been following AJ for several months, and he's ultra-impressive. But honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons I'm impressed. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups are what impressed me the most. It can be so hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in the fight game, but AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and without letting emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. We, of course, here at the Prelim Primer agree with subscriber George, and we think that you will too if you check out AJ at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets And we are back with round number three. Going to put another five minutes on the clock. 
And we're going to start this one by talking about Cole Williams versus Jason Witt. So Cole Williams took a short notice debut all the way back last August, a year ago this past August, and he got submitted by Claudio Silva in just two and a half minutes. Jason Witt did a similar thing, taking a short notice debut back this most recent June, getting knocked out by Takashi Saito in just 48 seconds. So neither of these guys look great on short notice. Both of them are kind of hands down bomb throwers. Uh, it obviously didn't work for him in their debut, but which of them is it more likely to work for here? So the way, you know, when I was when I was researching this fight, what I noticed was Witt was more of a grappler. He's got some good wrestling, whereas Cole Williams, I think, looks more comfortable on the feet. Um, I also saw some good sprawling out of him, some ground and pound. Uh, I like Cole Williams here just based on that. I think he, he's going to be able to kind of like wrestle box him, stay on his feet. And like I said, Cole Williams looks much more comfortable on the feet than Jason Witt. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me about their stand-up is Jason Witt telegraphs his right hand really obviously, and he's a one-punch guy. He throws one yeah. punch. And if you look at Cole Williams, his his striking is not nuanced. We would not call it that. But he does put together like a nice one-two occasionally that comes right through the guard. And, and like the difference between a guy who loads up on one shot and a guy who is able to put together even the most simple of combos here, I think is the difference maker in this fight. So I'm thinking Cole Williams. I actually think he gets the knockout win here. How do you like him? Yeah, I'm going Cole Williams by knockout as well. I think he gets it done on a uh, tired Jason Witt. All right, and that takes us to Adrian Yanez versus Victor Rodriguez. So Yanez making his Yanez making his debut at 11 and three. He knocked out Brady Huang in just 39 seconds on Contender Series. Rodriguez is seven and two, making his debut. He last fought back in February for Alaska FC with a second round TKO in the main event of that card. So. Uh, obviously, Yanez dazzled in his debut on Contender Series. It's clear that his striking is a weapon. Does Rodriguez here try to match that striking, or does he have to do something to sort of neutralize it and get away from it? I mean, both of these guys are on four-fight win streaks. Everything I've seen from Yanez, um, he's, I believe, 7-2 and two in his uh, professional career. All his finishes are uh, via strikes. Um, and out of Yanez, I see a... Very confident striker with some big KO power. Uh, yeah, I think these guys are going to meet in the center and wing bombs. Um, this is this honestly, this should be a really fun fight. I see no reason why this shouldn't be a firefight. Yeah, I think it's going to be a firefight too. But I just think for me, you know, you, you've seen Yanez on on cards like LFA and Contender Series, and you've seen Victor Rodriguez out of Alaskan FC. Which at least if you've watched the Contender Series recently, the guys coming out of Alaskan FC have not looked particularly good. And actually, a couple of guys who got signed right to the UFC have not looked particularly good. And, and you know, I look, I watched this main event on there. It, it wasn't all that great. I, I think Yanez is definitely the sharper striker. So if they're going to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and just wing him, it might make it a little closer, but I'm still leaning Yanez here. How about you? Yeah, I'm leaning Yanez. I, like I said, I think I agree with you. He's the, he's the more polished striker. But I don't think Victor Rodriguez is going to mess around. I think they're going to meet in the center. And, yeah, I see Yanez just with the cleaner strike and finish him in the first. But I think it's going to be fun however long it lasts. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take Yanez in the first. And that brings us to our very last fight, which is Courtney. Cast Iron Casey versus Priscilla Cachoeira. Casey, one and one since moving to flyweight. She beat Mara Romero Barella by armbar in her debut at that weight class. But then got rear naked choked by Jillian Robertson, who is now a Dean Thomas black belt. Cachoeira had lost three straight in that division, but then she picked up an uppercut KO over Shayna Dobson. Very nice highlight piece right there. Now, the question, though, is is that does Cachoeira get any of that striking going? B 
because she seems prone to the easy takedown and she's fighting somebody like Courtney Casey. Yeah, this, uh, you know, Casey's got such high level experience throughout her career, whether it's wins or losses. She's got subs, wins, losses on a record, knockouts, uh, split decision, wins, losses. She's seen it all. And yeah, Casuera, uh, very nice knockout in her last fight, but, um, she's definitely got some, some holes in her game. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think she's going to be too much of a match for Courtney Casey in this one. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I spelled it out in the, the question or a little bit here, but, like, the takedowns are such a concern here for me, for Priscilla Cachoeira. She, she just doesn't seem to be able to stuff them. She gave up two to Molly McCann, and I love Molly McCann, but she's a boxer. Molly McCann is a boxer, right. and she took her down twice, and, like, Priscilla didn't get up from those takedowns very easily. If, if you get taken down by Courtney Casey and you couldn't get up against Molly McCann... Like, dude, you're never, ever getting yeah. against Courtney Casey. Um, so I see Courtney Casey being able to finish the fight down there. I'm going to take her by sub. I'll say early, too. I'll take her as a first-round sub. How about you? Yeah, I can see it happening, too, man. Cashware is not afraid to throw. She throws big bombs. But again, you know what? If she's winging them wide, that's going to leave the takedowns open. Yeah, I'm going same thing. First round, rear naked choke. I think she mops her up on the map. All right, and that's going to do it for our very last fight. We gave you seven fights in just over 15 minutes. We hope you guys learned a little something, and we hope it was entertaining for you as well. I want to thank my co-host from the Fix Fight podcast with Kurt and Ben, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Can't wait to do it again. 